0: From Riverside Health System, this is the Healthy You Podcast, where we talk about a range of health-related topics focused on improving your physical and mental health. We chat with our providers, team members, patients, and caregivers to learn more about how to maintain a healthy lifestyle and improve overall physical and mental health. So let's dive in to learn more about becoming a healthier you. All righty, I'm really excited to have Omari Peterkin join us today on the Healthy You podcast. Mr. Peterkin works at Riverside Behavioral Health Center and is a nurse practitioner. Mr. Peterkin, tell us a little bit about how you ended up uh, in your current career as a nurse practitioner and more specifically um, supporting the behavioral health patient population.
1: Sure. So... um I've been a nurse for ooh, coming up on eight years. Has been have been a nurse practitioner now for this is going on year three. Okay. Uh, I've done a wide range of of uh, worked as you know in the nursing field in different specialties. I started out in orthopedics as well as did some behavioral health on the side. <clears throat> um, then moved on to. Um, the ICU intensive care unit and worked in the bird trauma ICU for a couple of years while there. Um, I think that's when I started to kind of get a hint and idea of possibly going into the mental health field, seeing a lot of patients who were treated, you know, for their acute injuries, illnesses. And it's almost like, you know, you take care of them, treat them, save their lives, and it's on to the next, um, whatever treatment or part of their lives or care. And, um, And a lot of these patients would come in experiencing significant traumas to themselves, their family members, whether they're, you know, whatever it may be. And I always felt like that issue was never fully addressed. So that was kind of, I think, was my first indicator of, you know, possibly wanting to explore the mental health, behavioral health field and what led to me to eventually... Transferring over to fully on being in the mental health world.
0: Okay, I'm a former critical care nurse myself, awesome. so more my background was more ICU, CCU, mm-hmm. MICU, um, and and those kinds of things. So we're kindred spirits as it go. relates to nice. our nursing nice. backgrounds. Okay. So we're going to be talking today about addiction and substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and this subject is really near and dear to my heart. Um, I think we all have individuals that we know or even family members that have struggled with addiction and substance abuse. So I want to talk to you a little bit today around when we hear the phrases addiction and substance abuse, what does that really mean?
1: So <clears throat> addiction and substance abuse... Um, those two words are fairly are used, you know, very frequently in the world today, especially in the behavioral health field, and they can kind of be intermixed among each other. Addiction is almost seen, you know, in my eyes, almost seen as like a a relapsing type of disorder. It is, you know, and a lot of people, you know, see it. They don't, you know, see it as, you know, people want to see. You know, a lot of people see, you know. Uh, a, uh, you know a, a diagnosis right, you know whether right. it be like heart failure head injury trauma whatever it may be addiction is its own type of diagnosis and you know form of uh, in its own way right. um, and it's almost like a relapsing um, disorder where people who you know maybe trying to seek out, you know, whether it be a certain substance. It doesn't necessarily have to be a substance. People can be addicted to numerous things. You can be addicted to your food, to your phone. So it's a constant, um, it's almost like a relapsing disorder of using, you know, whether it be a certain substance, um, addicted to like you said, a certain food, whatever it may be, behavior that's right. repetitive and right. repetitive and repetitive, and that can be difficult to stop, address, and even treat sometimes. Right.
0: Would you expand a little bit more? You know, I hear um, chemical reactions mm-hmm. and and things like that. So can you talk a little bit about that as it relates to addiction?
1: Sure. Uh, um, you and know, even substance abuse. Yeah. So, so substance abuse, addiction, um, you know, people – May address it as you know whether they may be some form of you know type of chemical imbalance. Um, the way we see it as is you know when we're treating you know patients or people who may be suffering from addictions or certain level of substance abuse is you know they may be you know seeking you know specifically in substance abuse they may be seeking alternative gains from using a substance repetitively so whether it be you know any type of drug illicit drug substance or even you know substances that are over the counter medications and using it you know repetitively or for Um, incentive or ulterior motives as opposed to what that medication may normally be used for. When we see that at an intense level or a level that becomes out of control, that's when we have concerns for addiction, substance abuse, and, you know, may consider that person for some level of treatment that may be necessary.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. That's great information. What about It being uh, hereditary Mm -hmm. or you know some people being concerned that they have strong family history of this Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, and can you talk a little bit about that
1: yeah so there are um, lots of studies and evidence that shows um, lots of risk factors that are evident out there you know in the world and based on studies that Um, If direct family members or there's a history in the family of, say, uh, you know, a person's parent or, you know, their uh, father, mother may be abusing a certain substance, you know, primarily one known as alcohol, alcohol abuse. Um, That can be, you know, there's lots of studies that show that, you know, it runs in the family with genetics there is a chance of you know if a, a child or even an adult, whatever it may be, is around that type of lifestyle influenced by that or seeing that or you know, there is significant family history. There is a percentage chance of that offspring, that child, that family member potentially, you know, displaying some of those symptoms or, having similar abuse, you know, risk factors.
0: Are you seeing an increase in substance abuse and addiction um, currently?
1: Definitely, yes, there's been, you know, lots of increases. I think for sure it's become more prominent, obviously with COVID, you know, the coronavirus pandemic. People being in their homes, isolated, obviously along with the numerous amounts of mental health disorders that have been almost brought to light. People are seeing people who are depressed. And I think it's a mixture of, you know, the mental health disorders as well as the substance abuse disorders. You know, people, you know, resorting to substances, alcohol, drugs, marijuana, whatever it may be. (laughs) Excuse me. There was definitely an increase. Have some water. Um, Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely increase um, with the, you know, coronavirus pandemic that we saw in regards to, you know, substances being used and, you know, a necessary, you know, necessity for more treatment.
0: Right. I've also heard that rural areas sometimes can be plagued mm-hmm. with addiction and substance abuse. So to hear you kind of talk about the pandemic, which isolated us mm-hmm. in the same ways that rural communities have less activity mm-hmm. and, and are more isolated. So um, can you talk a little bit about that or is there any association? Um, <clears throat> I would say that to those areas, yeah, you well? know,
1: there's possibly definitely an you know, increase in the rural areas, Um, in regards to, you know, possible substance abuse and the increased numbers of, you know, people out there that are abusing substances, um, you know, obviously we see uh, a large population of, you know, homeless people as well. We see, um, you know, a mixture of people who are experimenting with different substances, you know, different substances are being introduced to the population, um, Uh, A big thing this past summer with us that we saw was a spike in um, substances that are being laced, you know, like marijuana being laced, and we have adolescents, adults, a mixture of, you know, populations that are coming in, and, you know, they may be, you know, chronic users of a certain substance, for example, marijuana, and they go to use a substance that, you know whether it's beknownst or unbeknownst to them, that's laced and they have their first psychotic episode. Right. And that can be very scary, very intimidating, not only to the person who's using the substance, but also their family members, their loved ones, and those surrounding them.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, great information. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you, as our listeners are listening uh, today, What would you suggest if they know someone or may be struggling with addiction or substance abuse themselves?
1: Um, So it can be very, it can be very, first of all, it's very scary. You know, it can be very scary. It can be very challenging, um, you know, for especially if it's like one of their loved ones who they care for they are used to knowing them and possibly even seeing them in a light or a manner that they're not seeing now, you know, with them being under the influence of substances, um, dealing with that level of addiction. So I would say, you know, it's definitely important to have an open, what we call a therapeutic mindset where, you know, try to remain as calm as you can with the person, as patient as you can with that person or loved one. And you know, from your own aspect of care, I think it's important to educate yourself as much as you can on what your loved one may be going through experiencing with their level of addiction, whether it be to alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, heroin, whatever the substance is. It's important to be open, be as therapeutic as possible to educate yourself. And, you know, once I feel as if you have a certain level of education on <clears throat> whatever substance that, you know, whatever substance they're addicted to, abusing or using, um, to do your best to sit down and have that open dialogue, right. communication, um, Educate them if you can, because they might be the only person that you that, you know, they might be more obviously more comfortable listening to, you know, their loved one as opposed to, you know, a stranger, whoever it may be, and provide them and educate them on choices, options of what they can do to help them with treatment, um, you know, try to identify in obviously the most caring and therapeutic way. How have you noticed that you know these substances are possibly impacting your life? Are you seeing these major changes? And you know they may be unaware as you know what's going on, how it's affecting them, which usually can be the case with you know addiction and substance abuse.
0: Okay. If they're struggling, um, navigating that themselves, mm-hmm. are there resources within Riverside Behavioral Health Hospital? That can help support them from an outpatient perspective, or even an inpatient treatment aspect.
1: Yes, so we have <clears throat> pretty much all levels of care um, for the most part. Um, from an inpatient standpoint, um, for those patients who may be suffering from you know severe or significant substance abuse, <clears throat> alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, heroin, whatever it may be, um, we do provide an inpatient detox program where they may stay there for, you know, a certain amount of days. They're provided, <clears throat> you know, a safe, you know, care environment where they're being checked on, you know, for their safety. We provide groups where they do a mixture of group therapy, individual therapy therapy, um, they may be able to meet also with a substance abuse counselor and therapist who specialize in substance abuse treatment. Um, <clears throat> we also have case, manage- case managers who are present that can help right. coordinate those next levels and steps of care to help prioritize, okay, and we meet together as a team right. and decide, hey, you know, and if the patient is obviously open to it, too, because they have to be on board, um, might this patient benefit from a long-term type of hospitalization at like a rehab, right. uh, which unfortunately we don't have, but right. we have the connections to help right. get them set to up. navigate <clears throat> them. Exactly. We also have, yeah, we also have um, PHP, which is like a partial hospitalization program, which I would say is like the next step down from inpatient hospitalization where patients can come, I think it's five, about five days a week, Monday through Friday, and it's, <clears throat> excuse have me. Another. It's like it. a six-hour program <laughs> all throughout right. the day right. um, where they get a lot of similar treatment, Okay, um, therapy, medication management. They can meet with a pharmacist, case manager. So they get a full, you know, around-the-clock treatment. Okay. And then <clears throat> there is our um, IOP, which is our intensive outpatient program, right. which is... More suitable for, like, you know, the person who's working and, okay. you know, they come, you know, a couple of days a week, still able to meet with the groups, counselors, therapists, case managers, get medication management. Um, and it's, you know, a- overall level of care treatment to help point them in the right direction right. throughout the course of their, their It treatment. sounds like
0: there's a coordinated effort yes. um, and it's individualized, mm-hmm. the patient-centered as to which transition level would be appropriate, so that's really good mm-hmm. that they have, you know, those resources because mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm sure that it's challenging, um, and that um, there may it may take several treatment visits. Is that correct? To really overcome, you know, addiction and substance abuse.
1: Yes, usually it's you know it takes multiple you know, courses and, you know, treatments throughout, you know, like you said, each person's plan of care is individualized. So it's assessed each time they visit and, you know, go, you know, it's reviewed with um, that substance abuse counselor too as well in the treatment team, you know, to, to gauge, okay, how is this patient doing in regards to their treatment and their overall hopeful level of sobriety and functioning? Right. Mm -hmm.
0: I would think the benefit of, of, Participating in a formalized program in a transition of care is that there can be physiological symptoms Mm -hmm. um, related to um, detoxification. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because some things, you know, I think some people think that they can do it on their own Mm -hmm. or within their own, you know, family space or Mm -hmm. friend support. So could you talk a little bit about the benefit of a more formalized? Um, programs such as detoxification.
1: Sure. And, you know, I can tag in on along the lines of, you know, when a family member or a person who is going through, you know, substance abuse, addiction, and even, you know, say they want to try to detox on their own, right. which can be very worrisome and even very dangerous at times. And you can tell if a person, too, is suffering from really significant substance abuse or addiction issues if they don't have that insight into saying, hey, you know, I actually need that type of treatment right. or do or don't think that they can do it on their own right. as opposed to, you know, coming in and getting treatment from licensed professionals. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Apologize. That was that was that you, you answered my question. <laughs> question. You answered my question. <laughs> okay, okay. great great information. Okay.
0: And then also a little, I would like for you to talk a little bit about the stigma mm. that's associated with addiction mm-hmm. um, and substance abuse, um, and how challenging that can be, mm. and really impact someone coming forward mm. um, due yeah. to feeling you know due to feeling they may be judged. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that there are some hotlines and some other ways that they can access information, um, while while, while um, keeping their an- anonymity.
1: Right. Yeah. So there are numerous hotlines, you know, that are available, you know, for people who are, you know, dealing with addiction, substance abuse um, issues. That you can keep your, you know, anonymous and so forth. Right. right. Um, I feel that you know stigma. In general, has always been around. It will always be around, um, you know, just based on society in general and how people look at things, how they assess things, and are judgmental on different topics. Um, I feel that we're starting to make a dent into stigma. I think specifically, like I like to bring up the coronavirus pandemic right. and all of these, you know, mental health outcries and outbreaks and people around the world are trying, you know, are starting to have that understanding that, hey, mental health is real. You know, people deal with it on a daily basis and it's okay to not be okay. You know, it is okay and it's important to reach out, you know, for that level of help. Um, You know, we do our best over, I believe, at, at Riverside Behavioral to help address and, you know, I would say, I don't like to say the word attack, but help to decrease stigma because it's there specifically in that substance abuse profile type of patient. Right. A lot of people, and I can, you know, tell you, you know, the different things that people say, you know, in general, you'll hear those negative, you know, derogatory words. Oh, you know, they're just a crackhead. They're just, you know, an alcoholic that hurts, you know, themselves or hurts others. Um, They just want to do this, say that so they can go out and, you know, get high, get their substance and get high. And those are common, you know, words and that, that all builds into stigma right there because it sets them aside and it makes the person who may be going through those hard times and resorting to substances feel even more alienated. Right. So it's important, you know, as providers, as people educating the public on People who are going through substance abuse are human too. Everyone has their own yes, issues in, in every absolutely. type of way. People may cope differently. And a lot of people who are you know experiencing substance abuse, that sometimes is their way of coping with hiding whatever it is they're going through. Underlying trauma, underlying abuse, um, underlying stressors at work, whatever it may be. It's about teaching them, educating them and all of that combined together i think is going to help to overall potentially decrease that level of stigma but most importantly continue to provide that high level of care that's necessary for people out there who are suffering and most importantly those who are suffering in silence right mm-hmm.
0: that is so important don't judge because you never know what someone has been through mm-hmm. um, and why they're in that situation i just want to thank you and i applaud your commitment um, to support um, our community and the patients that we serve as we continue. I feel like we're in the battlefield and we're combating uh, addiction and substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you very much. So if we have someone listening who may be struggling with addiction and substance abuse or knows someone who's struggling with that, what would you say to them as we close out the, this podcast?
1: I would say that I think it's, <clears throat> if you are, you know, have a loved one out there, or if you yourself are suffering, um, first of all, I would like to say it's it's okay, and you're not going to hear this a lot from a lot of people, but it's okay, first of all, to feel the way that you are feeling. Um, and at the same time, it's also extremely important to take those next steps you know to figure out what you can do to get help to reach out help is readily available um you know definitely here at riverside behavioral i know there's a lot of services that we can provide um, to people and we provide them on a daily basis Um, so i would say reach out you know to the help that is that is readily available for you and to not feel any sense of shame about it it actually shows and displays a sense of power more so than shame for you to be able to look yourself in the mirror or to be able to speak to your loved one to show your loved one that you do love and care for them by getting them that essential help that they may need
0: all right thank you (laughs) the information has been invaluable Um, And I know we will reach many. um, And um, um, thank you again.
1: Awesome. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy You. We're so glad you were able to join us today and learn more about this topic. If you would like to explore more, go to RiversideOnline.com.